it would be nice if you stopped yawning before we started <laughs> recording the podcast. Kevin, hello everybody, and welcome along to this Italian football podcast. I'm your host, Connor Clancy, back even on my weekend off to host my second podcast of the weekend with you and Burns. Hello, Burnsy. Thanks for stepping in for me this weekend. How are you? Hello, that's fine, and I'm fine. Who's next? Vito Doria, hello, how are you? Me, I could be better. I mean, the weekend was, well, <laughs> not exciting at all, but Sassuolo saved it for us. There was a there was a good result for your lot tonight, Vito. Big, big bad Genoa beat Cosenza 4-0 to, to continue on their march straight back towards Serie A. Sorry to bring it up. We've uh, also got Kev Fugzelski here, <laughs> moving swiftly on. Kev, have you finished yawning? Finished yawning? Yeah, it's been a long, tiring weekend. It has been a long weekend. It has been a, a nice weekend. The weather's been good. Spring appears to have re-arrived in northern Italy after arriving for two weeks, disappearing for five days, and now it looks like it's back. It's been beautiful. And with that, there were some strange happenings on the football pitch. Roma, as a city, is reigning over the rest of Italy because Lazio beat Napoli 1-0 and Roma beat Juventus 1-0. What a weekend for the clubs from the capital. Monza beat Empoli 2-1. Atalanta Udinese was 0-0. Fiorentina beat Milan 2-1. Spezia Verona was scoreless. Samson was scoreless. Inter beat Lecce 2-0. Roma, as I said, beat Juve 1-0. Sassuolo Cremonese. I was just there this evening. That was a belter. Sassuolo won 3-2. And Torino-Bologna was considerably less fun. But the Granata won 1-0 against a decent Bologna side. Um... We're tempted. We've got to start with one of the capital clubs. I'm tempted to start as far back as Friday night, but I'm not going to just because Roma Juve is a little bit fresher in the mind. I'm going to start with you, Burnsy, because Roma went and beat Juventus 1-0 and the goal scorer would have been the guy that everybody predicted to score, right? Gianluca Mancini. Not only is it not the guy anyone would have predicted to score, but the manner in which he did the scoring was... Yeah, weird in in a great way in terms of quality. I know that this is this is hardly the Gianluca Mancini fan club here. Um, oh, so we'll I don't think that. there is one. No, uh, and if if there is one, I, I don't really want to meet them. Um, but yeah, that was a pretty special goal. Um, I'm sure we've all seen. I don't know if we've stuck it on our socials. If not, we ought to have. Maybe the moment's gone. But um, that clip of Mourinho that Roma have put out where he's, with Abraham. Yeah, where yeah. where the goal goes in and he just doesn't react, and it's I I don't think I could ever be that cool in any scenario at all. Well, I know you well enough to say that no, you definitely couldn't. You get okay, flustered. You get flustered <laughs> very easily. You're well, I'd be Abraham in that situation. <laughs> no, I think you would have just fallen to your knees in that situation. <laughs> Not knowing what to do, your legs would have stopped working. It was an impressive win, Vito. It was it was a strange game. We had Alistair McKenzie at the Olympic for it. I can't speak. And the first half was a very different game to the second. The first half was cagey. It was kind of what you'd expect from this fixture. The second was brilliant. The teams opened up a bit more in the second half. And after Mancini scored that stunning strike, it really forced Juve to come out of the show a bit more and put a bit more pressure on uh, Rui Patricio's goal. Uh, in addition to a save he made in the first half on Adrian Rabio, uh, Patricio showed that, uh, you know, his experience and quality are still there. And he 
he made some quality saves that ensured that the Giallo Rossi got that clean sheet. But also in saying that, uh, Roma themselves, even though they probably had to do a bit more of the defending in the second half, but they showed that they were more solid at the back. And even when they were moving the ball forward, they just looked slick on the ball. And I think the combination play or the way they brought the ball forward was better than Juve's. Juve seemed to have not much space to work with, and Di Maria in particular had a lot of space around him closed down. Vito, when when the teams came out, a lot of people were a little bit surprised because Roma were playing with without a real striker. I mean, Paolo Dybala was there, but he's not what you'd really consider to be a, a nine, is he? Were you surprised with Mourinho's approach to this and, and how well it worked for him? I was surprised with it, and uh, maybe in another situation it could have worked a bit better. I think uh, maybe if Dybala wasn't so eager just to score against his former club, perhaps uh, it could have been more devastating for the opposition. I think there were just a few times that Dybala, he looked so eager to be the hero that in one instance he tried to shoot when there were five Juve defenders ahead of him and then Rabio blocked him. And then there was another situation in which he took a shot from distance and it looked like a fairly comfortable save from Chesney. So I think maybe in other scenarios that movement could have worked even better. But I think uh, here, you know, you could say that 1-0 was probably a sufficient score. And from a tactical perspective, I think it could have it could have worked a bit better despite the win. It did feel like Dybala was desperate to score against Juventus. That one in particular where you where you mentioned he, he shot from outside the box. Spinazzola just was screaming for it on the left. He just needed to be slipped in and it would have opened things up a little bit more. But Kev, Roma got the win. It's a big three points. You could see how much it meant to them with, with Abraham's side of that clip, right? Because Mourinho looked as cool as anything. Abraham took off down the touchline. And after the match, the celebrations were rightfully huge. It felt significant, didn't it? Yeah, I think not just the um, the opposition because it's it's Juve. Everybody likes to get a win over Juve, particularly sort of everyone likes kicking someone when they're dead. Well, <laughs> you probably shouldn't want to we'll kick get someone the while we'll they're get into while the they're down at uh, sort of edges and past uh, Milan because you've already mentioned how they got on this weekend. So it puts them in a you know, in a lovely position now to sort of try and um, not only hold on to fourth spot, but sort of extend their lead, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks when, uh, well, Roma themselves have got European um, interest, but Milan go to Tottenham this week. So uh, Roma can maybe hope that Milan overexert themselves midweek and can steal some more points next weekend. You'd still, if you're a Roma fan, you're hoping Milan go through right because you'd expect Roma to go further in Europe than Milan just because of the the quality of opposition in their respective tournaments Milan might very well be out of Europe after this week and then they've got everything everything in their power to go all the way and and finish top four comfortably in Serie A who Roma or Milan well Milan (laughs) if Milan get knocked out of Europe you'd back them oh I'm not sure I would They've been so inconsistent no. last couple. Apart from like they had, they had the four one uh, 0 wins, wasn't it? That then turned into a two 0 win with the the two 0 victory over Atalanta. But I still just which don't... was the most one 0 two 0 win of all, by the way. Yeah, but I just don't trust them. 
I, 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 I ugly. I trust Roma more to sort of grind out, grind out the end of the season than I do Milan. They, they've got a, they've got something about them this year that that makes them sort of susceptible to to falling away when they when they need to pick up points. It must be fun, Bernsey being a Roma fan at the moment because you've still got those weird frustrations, those weird slips of losing to Cremonese who had not won a single match of 23 actually they had they were on a 30 game winless run but seven of those games had come back in the early 1990s so i don't think we'll count those but you take the point roma are still capable of those weird little slips while also being capable of just beating juventus and to be frank they've been brilliant at home this year alistair mckenzie has written a piece for total-italianfootball.com which went up on monday the day after the game just talking about how imperious they've been at home and how if they get into the Champions League next season, it's going to be because they've been so good at home despite their away difficulties. But it's a fun time around there, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like you say, it's fun in very specific and quite short bursts, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Like it's, it's, a very weird, it's a weird season of the league in general particularly around that set of teams fighting for the top four, where you'd never really quite know where you stand with anyone. And Roma have very much been an example of that because there was a lot of talk about Roma being like the the outsider title challenger, as it were, coming to the, you know, the outside of maybe three other teams. They were the other one that you'd think maybe could do something. Obviously, it's not panned out that way. And they're very much just in that top four fight. But there's... there's to me, it's been it's been low lows and high highs. They, they they've got very very good record against the big teams, which leads to a great feeling that can last a long time amongst fans. And obviously, the fact that I think they're on track for the for the Real Sociedad game. I think it's going to be like the twenty seventh sold out game at the Olympico in a row or something like that. Um, all of that feels great, but ultimately, they kind of didn't expect to be quite so in a narrow top four fight as they are. A lot of people sort of assume with. Dybala there with Vinaldum before the injury, if Abraham was in better form, the kind of assumption would be that it'd be a lot more comfortable to get top four than it is going to be. Speaking of comfortable, Moyes Ken. I'd say he had a comfortable chat with Max Allegri in the dressing room after that game because, oh my God, I think this is my highlight of the season so far. So, I'm going to talk you through what happened, listeners. And in doing so, I might take longer than the whole series of events took. So Juventus were a goal down and Allegri's prepping Moise Kent to come on. He's giving him a little talk on the on the halfway line before coming on. Sends him on the pitch 40 seconds later. He just kicks Gianluca Mancini and gets sent off and doesn't even appeal because he knows he's just kicked Gianluca Mancini and got sent off. Now, I do want to commend Moise Kent. And thank him on behalf of most people who follow Serie A, because I think a lot of people would like to kick Gianluca Mancini most weeks. So I do think he's just taken it. He's just taken that red card on behalf of a lot of Italian football fans there. But Kev, is that the most stupid thing you've seen this season? Uh, Well, yeah. um, For want of anything else (laughs) popping into my mind... um, Instantly, uh, I think I would have kicked him again. 
Just because of the, the right in the right in approach, is that? Just just because yeah. of just because once the red card's in the back. But just because of his hesit you know, it actually looks terrible how long he takes to go down. It's like oh, genie. Yeah, it is a joke. He yeah, sort it's... of kicks him and then he sort of even shuffles his feet before then going to the ground. And at that point I'm probably kicking him in the waist, like on his way down to the floor, just because I'd be so infuriated that he's gone down. Um, have a little stamp on his hands, but uh, yeah, or worse. But um, probably saying more about me than I've got. I've got an idea here, and I thought this at the time, and I think it would have been perfectly valid for the referee to do this. So I'm going to throw it to you, Kevin. See what you say. This isn't a joke, Vito. I can see your face. You're expecting me to tell a joke. I'm not. I genuinely believe that Moisken should have been shown a red card, straight red. But Gianluca Mancini should also have been booked for diving because it was so delayed. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I think he could have been booked during the instance. He was, he was holding him, wasn't he? Not, not, not enough. Yeah, not enough. Mancini to... also did a little, did a little kick. He did a little he knee, didn't he? Knee. Sort of knee. Yeah, he did. I, so I, I think he, he, he sort of deserves something for that. Um, I don't, I don't know now. Um, trying to remember if he was on a booking or anything, but he wasn't. I just checked. Um, yeah, he 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 deserved something for his part, whether it's the dive, whether it's the knee. Um, and are we not only saying this because it's Mancini? No, no, like, no I don't. Mo- Mo- Moise can kick. He kicked him with back lift. Yeah, like, that's there's, why there's nothing else going yeah, on. He got his punishment. That's why. That's why he's getting sent he, off. He got that's his punishment. Yeah, he absolutely but got his punishment. Gianluca Mancini takes three steps away and then thinks. I could get him sent off, and then yeah, leaps it's in the air. Normal. It's, like no, it's just, it, I, I it was, anyone does it all the time. I wouldn't do it yeah, for, the, for, uh, for the diving. No. I wouldn't do it for the diving. I'd do it for the provocation and the and the mm. knee and the over aggressive. Is that not know. normal as well? Like they they tangled in a way that happens all the time, and then Moisey. I think I think I think if he just, just been grappling him, fine. But it's that sort of that that sort of lifting the knee into the chest yeah. chest of Kurt Keen. And he knows what he's doing because he's almost dragged him to the ground. So he knows he can probably get away with a knee in the sort of rib cage because he's he, he's uh, he's pulling uh, Keen down. But yeah, so I think he... It, no more than a yellow card, but he deserves something for inst- instigating arguably, arguably the incident. Bear in mind, this is a man who punched his own teammate in various celebrations. Yeah. In fact, he's an he arsehole, is a irrelevant. Yeah, he's a rotten, <laughs> rotten man. Could have been smaller. I still say he's broken. Uh, I'm very much talking about the incident at hand rather than okay, the man so in general. The, the incident at hand where he <laughs> he needs someone in the chest yeah. when the ball was nowhere near it, and then he he did dive like it was simulation, as well as having taken a kick. If that was Winalda, I'd still be calling for a booking, and I love Jimmy. No, but the reason what's happening here, Burnsy <laughs> or Kev is Burnsy's a Roma fan. So he's just trying to say, oh, Roma no, I don't like him either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like him either, but I just think there's there's only one human being in the league where in that, if in a, in a, in a version of events where a Juve player kicks someone really hard on purpose. Well, the, no, the Juve player is... No, 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 we're no, talking no. about the other player. Tia Hernandez is another. The Juve side of it is out of the discussion. <laughs> yes. We've said that's a red card. That's no, irrelevant. It, it, it can't be separated. It's too intrinsic to what's gone on. No, but if if I they're, they're linked events. If we're all right, so on that logic, then <laughs> if we're playing football and I pull your hair and you turn around and punch me, you get sent off because you've reacted to something I did, but I did it first and got away with it. So you punched me before the red card was shown to me. I shouldn't get a red card. 
Well, I don't think you can fully separate the two things. Okay, so you're not, we're not separating the <laughs> two not. things. You're, you're, you're judging also, an there, there's altercation. No and you're... There, there's, no, there's no precedent for Mancini to get a yellow card in that situation. Well, there is. That doesn't he, happen. He dived and he <laughs> needs someone in the chest, Bernsey. <laughs> I, just, I don't think it went on long enough. There wasn't enough of a scuffle or anything like that to warrant... Like for long enough that would normally give a yellow I card to the other player in that situation. If, if VAR is allowed to be used for yellow cards, Mancini gets one there because the ref says he's been a tosser. If King doesn't kick out, isn't it a foul? And he arguably gets booked for the foul. <laughs> yeah, it probably is, you know. That's brilliant as well. Um, So then technically it should have been a foul, a free kick to Juventus and Ken gets sent off, which would have been lovely to see. I like when confusing things happen like that. But Burnsy, stop crying. You won. We know why you're really sad this weekend and we're not getting into it. So just get over yourself. And um, the man who enjoyed that sadness is sat wearing a dressing gown looking at me. Yeah, well, we're not getting into it because <laughs> nobody cares about English football, do they? Don't make me take so, the dressing gown off. I can do this weekend. Um, <laughs> I won the loss for Juventus, Vito, but I suppose they are still on form this season joint with Inter as the second best team of the country so you're going to get a setback every once in a while yeah well it would seem that way if they didn't have that 15 point penalty but uh, yeah they're away from the whole Champions League spot so are you ruling them out Uh, I don't think it's because they're any good it's just if anyone above them keeps on stuffing up (laughs) well they, they all keep doing that don't they Milan Lost two and away at Fiorentina. Kev, when they don't have Rafael Leao, they don't have anything, even when he's not in his best form. No, it's obviously picked up a, a caution last week for um, asking for a caution for another player, which was <laughs> yeah. which was somewhat amusing. And I, I kind of didn't see Fiorentina as being that much of a threat to them and thought Leao would get a bit of a rest before playing uh, Tottenham midweek. But... They they do look a little blunt without his sort of energy uh, up top when he wants to sort of show it because we've got a an aging Giroud as as good as he is uh, and an even more aging Ibrahimovic that does little other than cheerlead and get a couple of minutes here and there now and um, you've got to fear for Milan in the summer when I think Liao probably disappears disappears to not uh, you know just implodes <laughs> so he, he but, gets he gets uh, sold for a lot of money and they can sold, sign a replacement. sold for a lot of money and milan will waste the money um i don't know i don't know why i have a sense of certainty that they will um they'll buy Friends, i'm jumping to you really quick here sorry kev leo's contract it's up not this coming summer the following summer right yeah 2024 so that they're, they're in that zone now of Either renew or sell this summer. Okay. Otherwise, you're getting sod all. Well, it's sell, isn't it? Because the renewal is very unlikely to happen. But should we probably talk about Fiorentina a little bit here? Because they... I don't know what I think about Fiorentina. Because instinctively, I want to say they're having a bad season. But they are in Europe. And them being in Europe meant a lot to them and means a lot to them. So the fact that they're not going to get relegated and they're sitting in a group of teams that could still make a push for sixth could they probably not but they could they could finish seventh this season you would say and and if they finish in the top half and have a decent european season for is that not okay 
Yeah, I think it's got to be, especially, you know, so what, they're, they're in Coppa Italia semi-final and they're against Cremonese in that. So they've got a very good so chance of being in the final. <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying they will be in the final, but they have a good chance. Very good chance. Um, and they're in the actual round of 16 now, the Conference League, and they're against Sivaspor, who at the time of the draw were, I think, 12th in the, in the Turkish League. It looks like, you know, I don't know anything about that team other than where they are on the table, but that looks like quite a favourable draw compared to some of the other ones they could have got. Um, they could very feasibly be in a European quarterfinal at that point, and you don't know who you're going to get after that. There are, you know, a lot of teams that bat themselves against in that tournament. If, you know, if, if they get a final and latter stages in Europe, like, you know, for, for fans having been on, they would have been on like seven different European away trips, if, even if they just get to the quarterfinals. That's all right, isn't it? As long as they, you know, as long as they don't go down, that's fine. <laughs> Siversport sounds like a team. Like I, I wouldn't be in like surprised if like five or six, five or six ex Syria players like rolled out from you know Balotelli was up front and, and Bo- mean, Kevin yeah. Prince Boateng. Like, loads of players you didn't know where they were. I was just about to start looking it up. I could tell from their expressions that Connor certainly started. Vito may have done as well. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Vito will have known. Vito will know. <laughs> Vito will know the squad. But the thing is, if any of the other people on this podcast, Bernsey, me, or Vito, brings that point to the table, we will have checked the Sivaspora squad before we bring it up. But you know, Kev, he's uh. not. Um, so I'm going to throw a thought out there now. <laughs> I recognize Max Gradle's name, but that's, oh, yeah. I think, Leeds oh. United as opposed to. I think Senate, Senate, Ian, yeah. Yeah, sometimes it ends what I think of for him. Ahmed Musa, his name is jumping out. Leicester. Uh, no, that's a that's a trick one. Oh, is it that one? There, yeah, there's lots of check. Ahmed Musas around. He played two years at Leicester. Um, it, it's no fun if I'm just sitting here looking through a club's Wikipedia page and clicking now. on a load of different links, is it? There's a lot of names that look familiar, but there are a lot of names that could very easily be Ooh. confused with Pintan other G. similar names. Um. That's another one that jumps out. But again, it's just because it's similar to another. Anyway, no, Kev, sorry. We feel time for those nil-nils this weekend in Syria. It's fine. I'm not seeing any obvious Serie A Xs in that list. But tell you what, just to to say to you, Kev, very briefly, the the lineup that I'm looking at for Supersport, they were up against Fabio Barini and Bertolacci. Where are they? (laughs) Uh, They are at Fatih Karagumruk. Um, they beat they beat Sivasport four three um, on Saturday. Um, Birashi, I don't know who that is, but that looks Italian. Well, Br, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, Collie, e e dot Collie. That's somebody, isn't it? Who was in Prima, ex Atalanta. Yeah. I'm so, Maybe still I'm on, so huh? glad I brought this quality onto the pod. <laughs> yeah, there's somebody called Richie yeah. in midfield as this well. This is dreadful. This shouldn't be happening in the first 25 minutes. This Matteo is Ricci. End of... Shut up, Frenzy. This is very much end of on. pod chat. This is not chat that should be happening in the middle of a podcast. I've muted Frenzy's mic. I don't know if he's noticed yet, but we will continue to progress with this podcast. Adam Ljajic. Do we need to talk about Milan? Kev, or can we just leave them? We leave them. We wait until they hopefully, for Italian football's sake, redeem themselves midweek against Tottenham, I think. Okay, Burnsy, unmute your mic and tell us one more name. I can see you're still desperate to say something. Did you hear me say Adam Lyatt? Yeah, we did. 
and I found out why this is all happening. The coach is Pirlo. Oh, of course, yes. <laughs> I've just gone to the bottom and found Andrea Pirlo. Um, surely some of those players, a lot of those players would have been there before Pirlo, though. You'd think so. It seems crazy but... to sign Andrea Bertolacci because your coach runs some. Like, shouldn't he already have been knocking about? Um, Emiliano Viviano. You would hope so. Anyway, the big game, I suppose, of the weekend came on Friday night. Napoli Lazio finished 1 0 to Lazio. And, Bernsey, we spoke a lot on the preview pod about this game. And of all the outcomes, I don't think a 1 0 win was one that we thought possible. No, we, we, we kind of alluded to the idea that Lazio don't have anything to lose in terms of approach. And I think that did. It did kind of play out like that in the sense that they they went fully toe to toe with Napoli. That you know they, they didn't they didn't sit in and see what they could get kind of thing, play for a draw, yada yada. Um, they they played to win the game, and it you know it worked. That's kind of what I on um, total hype and Italian football. That's kind of what I wrote about on the night um, because they. It's not necessarily just that they played high up the pitch, but. The, the intensity they played at was, it, it was a bit like watching Napoli, <laughs> as it were. They kind of caught Napoli out by doing their own thing. And I was watching it thinking, you know, obviously it was nil-nil at halftime, and I was thinking, that was a good half from Lazio, and they were probably the better team, albeit Napoli looked more dangerous when they did come forward. And I kind of thought, but surely they they can't do that to them again in the second half. But barring maybe the first 10 minutes of the second half, they did. And they got the goal, uh, again, a a weird good goal from a player, brilliant goal, yeah, from a player you don't expect it from with uh, Vecino. Um and it was it was it was a very much a deserved win. Um, the kind of caveat in the article was that there are very few teams in Serie A that would be able to do that again to Napoli. Number one, you've got to catch them slightly off. Number two, you need a level of intensity that not all teams, a lot of teams in Serie A, cannot give for a full game and you need somebody to score a goal at some point and there's <laughs> a lot of teams that if they're using all their energy on chasing people no one's going to score a goal so you know, don't get excited one of the, it's a weird thing given their current form but one of those teams who are capable of doing that are Atalanta and they mm. play Napoli next and it's at the Maradona and only Napoli have a better away form than Atalanta in Serie A this season. So, Vito, we couldn't possibly see Napoli slip up in back-to-back weeks here, could we? Based on this season's form, I would say no, because Napoli have just been superb in general. But uh, I remember, not so much in the last year or so, but I remember early on in Gasparini's reign that uh, Atalanta were a bogey side for Napoli. So it didn't matter... If it was Sarri or Ancelotti in charge, uh, Ladea would somehow have the edge over the Partenope. So if we use that as a bit of a guide, then uh, Atalanta can fancy themselves. I think, I'm scrambling here, did Atalanta win at Napoli last season as well? I think, no. Lazio only had 35% of the ball in this game which isn't something you'd associate with a Maurizio Sarri team but he has shown 
I trying to put a timeline on this? Probably since leaving Juventus and taking this Lazio job that he's got a few more strings to his bow than we perhaps thought. I've seen that since Sarri has joined Lazio that he has uh, shown some evolution in his tactics, if you like. Uh, we have been accustomed to seeing him play a more possession-based game and try to take the opposition on. But with the Bianco Celesti, I think he is a bit more flexible. Now, times where his teams can defend in a deep block and then also hit the opposition on the counter-attack. So even if he's not uh, playing this uh, exciting possession game, there are games in which he can get his team to uh, defend, but without being ultra-defensive or overly cautious, that they start in their own half and then they've got enough pace and quality passes to just break through and launch dangerous counterattacks. So I think that's a bit of a plus in regards to Sari's way of coaching and perhaps that will be beneficial for Lazio as they go forward in the competitions that they are in. Renzi, do you reckon this is because of the way things went from a I mean, Chelsea is the obvious one, isn't it? Where he seemed a little bit more committed to to having to play that way, despite it not necessarily being the best suited to to the players he had at his disposal. Do you think now he, he kind of sees himself as being less committed to that style and, and it's to everybody's benefit? Yeah, perhaps. Uh, I find I find him quite a difficult coach to work out. In a, he's had a weird career um you know he, he has got that fairly strong identity of playing but just in terms of how good he actually is he's very hard to work out I think what might be helping him in this current role in comparison to when he was at Juve or Chelsea is that he he's kind of he's been at odds with the board a bit over signings and stuff but he's basically in a position where he knows that he's not going to be given loads of expensive players or even one expensive player he's, he's very much he is a bit more of an old school coach and he knows that he's basically he's got this squad and he's got to make, make the best of it and he has found a way to you know he's, he's one of the coaches that has genuinely trained some of the players in that squad to be better than they were when he arrived um, and I think he's he's quietly doing very very well in the sense that yes they did a bit of business in the summer but that there was not loads of money spent or anything like that. He's not been given loads of fresh players. He's had to deal with what he's got. And depend yeah, if if they get top four this season, bear in mind there's a lot of competition for it. I think that's a very, very good achievement. I was quite intrigued recently when I'm pretty sure it was Luis Alberto. It was either Alberto or Malinkovic Savic, so forgive me, but the the point remains because of what I'm gonna say. And Alberto was saying how he is satisfied with the season he's having because he's playing in a role that he's never played before and he's doing things consciously aware of the fact that he's never done these things before this season, but he's happy with the results. And if you remember back at the beginning of last season, the first half of last season, certainly, Sarri came out and said that Milinkovic Savic and Luis Alberto can't play in the same team. Well, they both played, they both started in that game against Napoli. And because they're adapted their games, and largely you'd have to say that's because Sarri's teaching them to do other things, they look brilliant in a midfield three together. And I think that is huge testament to, to the work he's done. Matthias Vecino scoring a goal like that, he's been around Serie A for quite a long time. I think 
he's an excellent player under a Maurizio Sarri Lazio side. And I don't think he could have gone anywhere else in Serie A and I'd have been sitting here in March towards the back end of the season thinking Matthias Vecina is is a really Vecina was a really good player to have in your team for a Champions League push towards the run-in. Kev. Kev, who finishes higher at the two capital clubs? Fair enough. You just hate me this weekend. <laughs> actually, I actually saw him this weekend as well. I think you hate yourself this weekend, Burnsy, more than any of us hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see him before or after? Before, day before. Okay, safe. Right. One of his mates that we were with didn't know that I was a United fan until quite late on. <laughs> it, was, it was clearly news to him. <laughs> I'm going to give you the choice, Mr. Burns. We've got Monza 2-1 Empoli, Atalanta Udinese scoreless, Spezia, Spezia Verona scoreless, Sampdoria scoreless, Inter 2-0 Lecce, Sassuolo 3-2 Cremonese, Torino 1-0 Bologna. Where do you want to go? Well, I mean, I... I've no idea you're going to say quite that many, so I have no idea what the first about four of them were. Um, let's go Atalanta because um, you had a nice weekend with your father, so therefore you can talk about it if you like. <laughs> one of the one of the two matches I went to, um, it wasn't actually that bad, you know, as a game. It was a little bit frustrating, but Atalanta have these games where they don't score, like for example the one against Milan, and they look like they could continue to stay there for 24 hours straight and they still wouldn't look like scoring. <laughs> this wasn't one of those games. They had quite a few shots. Um, most of them were not troubling for Marcos Silvestri, but it was all right. Just one of those days. Udinese were at it from about three minutes in, in that <laughs> it was clear that they came to get a draw and they were time-wasting earlier than I think I've ever seen a team time-waste, which, to be fair, I've a bit of time for that. <laughs> I quite like just absolute shit to to that extent. Um, but yeah, it was it was a slightly frustrating day. Burnsy, your new favourite player, Lucas Vorlitsky, came on again, but a little bit too late. Looked really tidy, showed some little flashes, but it, it just wasn't Good. to be. I think the longer this little sticky patch continues the more inclined Gasparini's going to be to just throw him in from the start one week because when he's come on, he has looked like he's a solution to something as well. So we might well Away see. Away at Napoli. Oh, 
There you That's go. Sink or swim, isn't it? There you go. Yeah. In front of a packed out Maradona when they're on their way to the title. There you go, Kit. Go on, little boy. I think he is 23 now, so it's not like he's a 17-year-old or, or something very, like that. very young. Um, but, ah, it's one of those It's one of those things. I didn't expect to be talking about this game, to be honest. So I'm going to swiftly move us on to the other game I was at, which is much fresher in my memory. So that's 103-2. Did any of you watch this? I had it on. Okay. <laughs> it's you an important it distinction on. between watched and had on. It was fun though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I, I, I glanced up at it more than I thought I would. I thought I possibly <laughs> wouldn't at all. <laughs> but I did five times. Yeah, Vito, Sassuolo, Dionisi was talking in the week saying about how it's time that like they've come through their worst part of the season. Clearly, like Sassuolo's difficulties are are kind of behind them now. And he said it's time for us to start being a little bit more ambitious. And when you look at the table now, they are only six points or five points rather off seventh. So he's, he's dead right to be talking in those terms. And there's also enough uh, time for them to gain that kind of ground as well with 13 rounds remaining. It seems that in the last few weeks, they've really started to get back into the rhythm that were known to see from Sassuolo. If we speak uh, specifically about this game, I think Lodiente probably had his best Serie A game to date. And I think that made uh, a difference. His uh, ability really added to the whole spectacle. And uh, Sassuolo in general are a team that go on and play football. But I think in this particular game, it showed that you know this round needed something like this to really brighten things up and yeah a 3-2 win you know it's real Nero Verdi type stuff you know you want to see them put yeah. on the show and they usually do yeah it absolutely was going 2-0 up blowing that and then winning it and stoppage time like that is Sassuolo that is Sassuolo heritage as Jose Mourinho might say but yeah Lorente was excellent so was Mateus Enrique he was just he was one of those players where like it seemed like every third touch he took I was thinking, oh, this guy's amazing because he just nutmegs someone or throw his shoulders one way and dip the other with the ball. He was gorgeous to watch and he's been quite fun to watch all season. So I, I think he's probably in that group. Is it even a group anymore? Yeah, I suppose you probably throw him in with the same bracket as Davide Fratesi and Lariente as being players who this summer might have clubs coming knocking on their door because whether it's in Italy or Spain, France, whatever, they are players that could go on to probably play in, in European competition quite easily and make that step and be an important player in the Europa League or even the Champions League, who knows. But he's only 25 as well, so time is still very much on his side. It feels like he's been around for, for a lot longer than he has. I think this is probably his third season at Sassuolo, maybe his second, I'm not quite sure, but he's been there for a little bit now. And he's one of those players that is very much improving under Dionisi in the same way that I suppose Hamed did after a dip early on under Dionisi. He picked things up. So quite an exciting time to be keeping an eye on Sassuolo. Bernsey, I'm going to come to you for Inter 2-0 Lecce because it feels like we have to talk about Inter, even though this is the most routine of routine wins. Yeah. Um, Ali's report we had at the game. Um on total hyphen twenty football, that was it, it. He almost 
I didn't even watch the game, but just from gently paying attention to what was happening to it, I knew exactly what his report would say. <laughs> and it did very much say it was nothing really happened. Inter weren't great, but they did enough. They scored a couple of goals. Everybody went home again. That It just seemed to be that sort of game where that that's the way their season is just going now, that they'll have two of these games then they'll lose or they'll draw to someone that they shouldn't lose or draw against and then they'll have another two of these games. And to be honest, the way it's going, it will probably even out that they they probably will finish second. When you look at the other teams around, obviously, you know, Milan looked like they're on a bit of a charge, but then lost to Fiorentina. Um, you, can, you can very much imagine in a pretty unimpressive manner into wrapping up second at some point fairly soon. Yeah. Um, and then it's the other two spots that are going to get a bit more interesting. It is the other two spots that are going to get more interesting. If we look at the bottom, it it looked like it could get interesting this weekend because Spezia in 17th were playing, hosting Verona in 18th with three points separating them. Of course, that finished nil-nil because three of the bottom four failed to score a goal this weekend as Sampdoria obviously didn't score as they played Salernitana. But Vito, it was one of those funny all rounds where you thought a lot might change at the bottom because you thought maybe Samp might get a result against Salernitana and probably Spezia or Verona will win that game. But in the end, nothing changed whatsoever and we're very much as we were. Yeah, so in that regard, it was quite a disappointing um, series of events. You would have thought that with uh, Spezia and Verona being so close to one another that they would have uh, provided more of a challenge, more of a contest. But obviously, yeah, they produced that KG piece of rubbish. And uh, Sal- uh, Santoria Samp, well, uh, a lot of the shots, you know, they looked nice, but they weren't accurate. <laughs> Probably on another day, if they actually hit the target, that would have been beautiful goals and Samp would have won. But uh, yeah, I think it's just symptomatic of some season that, you know, they can take as many shots as they want, but you just got to hope for the best that at least one gets in. So, yeah, more doom and gloom at the bottom of the table. Yeah, Leonardo Semplici has come in at, at Spezia, of course. Spezia hosted open training sessions at their stadium in the build-up to this game, and a lot of fans went in and created a bit of atmosphere, hoping to to see some spark on the pitch. And, of course, they, they drew nil-nil in that game, so that was a bit underwhelming. I was expecting fireworks... I was nearly going to go to that game too, so I'm very glad that that didn't work out in the end. What else have we got? Torino 1-0 Bologna was not a very good game, and Monza beat Empoli 2-1. Bernsey, another decent win for Monza. Armando Izzo, your friend and mine, scored another goal. Yeah, keeps them in that little area of wanting to be in the top half um, and probably condemns Empoli to definitely not sneaking into the top half. Um as that Torino game, obviously, that is quite a big result um, in the context of trying to get seventh if Juve were to not progress in any way. Because um, that tightens it all up a bit. You've got Juve 35, Bologna 35, Torino 34. If you want to chuck who knows in Monza in there. Monza wants to be chucked in there. They're on 32. So that's 
Another little area of interest. There's areas of interest everywhere, except for first. Don't don't <laughs> give in to things Monzo want to do, Burnsy. Pathetic behaviour. I'm me. just pointing out their weirdness again. I think it needed to be mentioned again. Yeah. Before Just before we wrap up, we are at that point of the season where we start looking at Serie B a little bit more to see who's come up. And we'll probably start mentioning it on the podcast a little bit more. Frozen only currently have an 11-point lead at the top of the table over Genoa in second. And then there's just a big old group of teams, as there always is. And it looks like basically anybody between, well, Genoa and Barry and Sudtirol will probably get the playoffs. And then anyone from 5th to 14th might join them. And Como are very much in that bracket, despite the fact that Como were in the relegation places a couple of weeks ago. So it's all very fun down there. Is the Serie B playoff race the best possible use for the word rabble. I think it is. Is there anything that's more of a rabble than all the teams trying to get in the Serie B playoff? Because there's about Serie 15 of them. Like, it's like, <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, you, you can cut and paste it for any league. But... <laughs> a, no, he's got you there. You asked, was there anything And he said, yeah. I didn't think of that, but we're talking about Serie B. <laughs> no, we talked about it on the preview, didn't we? How there's, there's just like, there's only, I think it's seven places in the table where nothing happens to you if you finish there. So everyone is just scrabbling for something at all times. The good thing about it is it changes depending on the points differentials. Oh, so if if the maybe they change this, but up until a couple of years ago anyway, if the top three, for example, finished 15 points clear of fourth, there would be no playoffs and first, second or third would just go up automatically. But then similarly, if there were fewer than 10 points between 10th and like 11th then 11th were included in the playoffs but they'd play like pre-playoff matches to get into the playoffs it's great i need to double check that because we'll need to do an explainer article on that coming up and so you be isn't the league i pay as much attention to as i should because there aren't enough hours in the week to be <laughs> frank um but that'll do. We will start dipping into Serie B a bit more between now and the end of the season. But that's it for now. We will be back on patreon.com slash football, where you can sign up for as little as €2 Euro a month. And this week, you're going to get three extra podcasts because Bernsey and I will be back with the women's football podcast looking at the... Well, I was going to say Serie A Feminile. Of course, they're on their little pre mini league break at the moment but the Coppa Italia Feminile happened the first leg semi-finals a surprise result in in Milan beating runaway Serie A leaders mm. Roma and then the Derby d'Italia finished 1-1 we'll talk a little bit about Italy's World Cup squad and, and what we would be choosing as our individual starting 11s if it were to start tomorrow and then we've got the European podcast after Milan this week, isn't it? Play Spurs and learn if they'll be in the quarterfinals of the Champions League for the first time in almost Burnsy's lifetime. And then we'll have the Serie A preview pod to come on Friday as well. So, patrons, we will speak to you so many more times this week. Non-patrons, you can get all of that content on a weekly basis for €2 a month or €5 if you're feeling a little bit more reasonable with your subscription sign-up choices because you're getting about 10 bonus podcasts every single month. So I think five is probably fair. Two euros, robbery. So make the most of it while you can. Um, 
we'll be back then for a non-patrons. We'll speak to you next week. Goodbye.